internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Or should I say, blub, 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 blub. <laughs> well, we, we can't do too much of that because... Our audience, I think, are people. Oh, they're not fishies. They're not fish. Ah, uh, we we're talking about fish keeping today. Uh, speaking of, we're back from across the board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still getting used to the time difference. <laughs> yeah, right. I have been going to bed at 9 p.m. the last three days. Waking up. First time my body was like, ah, 4 a.m. But to my body, my body was like, it's 9 a.m. Hey, like, you know what? Not. Every what? night you were gone, I went to bed at 9 p.m. Man, you're the coolest. No, it was because after my children were in bed, okay. I could not move my body uh, baby, anymore. They're our children. <laughs> they felt like only mine while you were That's gone. That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, so we're talking about uh, fish keeping. Yes. Now, this is uh, a subject that I'm, I'm relatively passingly familiar with. As yes, I you am, do keep fish. I'm a fish keeper. Um, and, and I've used this term fish keeping before and people always look at me a little bit strangely, but it's just a shorter way than saying like, I got a fish tank, <laughs> fish keeping, you know, bee, beekeeping, you know, yeah. or dog keeping. <laughs> well, no, you don't say that, but it you is, don't say that. I do think it's easier than saying like, I own a dog, dog keeping. Anyway, it's <laughs> not important. So I have Game a- Game keeping. Ooh. I have a, uh, I have a 65 gallon tank. Uh, with tropical uh, freshwater fish. And I have a like 10 gallon tank that is primarily snails and shrimp. Uh, though at this point, primarily snails. Um, and a couple of neon tetras. Mm-hmm. In my tropical, I've got uh, a big old angelfish named Roy. I got an albino geo named uh, Harris, Dr. Harris Bonkers. I've got an albino pleco named uh, Son of Phantom, because I had another albino pleco who died who was named the Phantom. We have been through several fish. Yeah. It is a little bit of a um, of a learning curve. And, you know, there were extenuating circumstances. We had a couple long power outages that caused issues. Um, Even though we got, we did get, listen, I got a generator for my fish, but it was like the up and down, up and down it was not great. Yeah, it was not great. And they are delicate creatures. Well, so this is the thing, primary thing, not to get into uh, the technical aspects too much, so I'm sure that will come up throughout. The thing about fish keeping that surprised me when I started it in earnest is that uh, it, the the conditioning the tank Mm-hmm. Can can take a long time, right? Ostensibly, uh, in a perfect world, you would condition the tank for like four to six weeks before ever putting any fish into it. Which is why when one wins fish from, say, a carnival mm-hmm. or something like that, that they they don't tend to last very long. Yes, because when you have the fish before you have the tank ready, the tank doesn't get ready in time, uh, and so the fish does not does not hang around. Uh, I will probably switch these two. I can't remember which one's which. But the idea is that you want, I think it is, that your fish in just waste and leftover food, it creates nitrate. And you want things that will convert that to nitrite, which nitrite is not good either, but it's less not good and takes longer. And then you're cleaning out 
the you know you're doing water changes and everything. Well, so, we are not we're not going to get into quite those technicalities. I know, but I had said yet. conditioning, and I want people oh. to know what I meant. So basically, there's good bacteria in mm-hmm. there that will break them down into the less uh, harmful version of it, so that you have more time to like clean out and you can get the pH balance. You get you know the night all those night something correct in there. <laughs> right. Um, there are different intricacies depending upon what sort of species you have, mm-hmm. um, what other sort of like family of, of like uh, your plant species mm-hmm. as well and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, let's uh, dive in. Oh, I get it. To some history of the elegance. Of fish. And well. elegance of fish keeping. Oh, Okay. Because um, fish are pretty old. I don't know if you guys know this. I know, yeah. At least 100 years. <laughs> um, fish have been raised as food in ponds or curated ponds for thousands of years. That makes sense. Um, particularly in Asia, there is a history of people stocking their rice patties with freshwater fish so they could have those on hand for eating, things like catfish or carp. I also bet uh, good, I mean, you're talking about some filtering uh, fish there, which is good for keeping that water and stuff, and also fertilizer, good for plants. Yep. Okay. Uh, historians believe that the ancient Sumerians were some of the first who kept wild-caught fish in ponds so they could have those fresh fish on hand to prepare for meals. So kind of like a refrigerator, right? Yeah. Um, and so over time, some of these species were kept and values valued as pets. Um, you know, tamer breeds of fish. Like or Koi. Exactly. Koi, so tame. Koi are a great example of this. Um, The Chinese and the Japanese began domesticating koi and other fancy goldfish over 2,000 years ago. Um, During the Song Dynasty, the Chinese people brought goldfish indoors in large ceramic vessels to decorate their homes. Um, If you are familiar with Animal Crossing... I am! If you catch a goldfish, the vessel it becomes displayed in is a small blue ceramic pot as a nod to this traditional way of keeping them. So instead of like a clear glass side, you're like looking down at it. And now let me say this too. Uh, if you ever consider, like, I will get koi and even some goldfish, thems get big. They, <laughs> they sure get, do. Oh, boy. Uh, in general, um, if you're looking to buy fish, uh, ask the people you are buying them from, what is the maximum size of this fish I'm buying? We will definitely Ooh. get to that. Okay. Definitely get to that because there are fish that will um, grow to fill the size of the container Ooh. that they occupy. And some that grow beyond the size <laughs> of the container. Um, so medieval Europe also had a host of freshwater ponds. Uh, it was a they standard- They called moats. Well, I mean- Standard feature of estates and monasteries had ponds in their oh. gardens. Okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and it was good to have a lot of freshwater fish on hand because you couldn't eat meat for certain feast days. Oh, right. In the, uh, in the Christian religion, uh, there were a lot of meatless holidays, and fish don't count as meat. Sure, because. God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Well, what... you see, God rhymes with cods and, and <laughs> Todd. No, you know uh, what? I'm, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, definitely fish were also valued for their beauty. Uh, yes. Wealthy Romans would keep lampreys and other saltwater fish to show off exotic treasures. Plus, um, those are fun, man. You ever see those eels coming out of like a thing in a fish tank? Kids love that. Kids <laughs> love it. At least my kids do, uh, but they're weird. 
Quintus Hortensius was a famous Roman statesman and lawyer and orator uh, who is said to have wept when his favorite fish passed away. Man, I get that. I get that when the phantom, the phantom was my favorite. Yeah. And that hit me hard. It, hit it me really hard. did. It hit me hard when any of our fish have passed. It's not like it's happening constantly. But when they have gone... Said. Like I said, we had we had some difficult times with power outages. And also, I had one the delicate fish. creatures just didn't didn't last, um, and there was some fin rot. I think from some of the angel fish. No, no, no. I healed that. No, I you healed the fin that. rot. That wasn't okay. a problem. But I did have uh, a parrot cichlid who was a real jerk, and I think bullied some fish uh, beyond their tolerances. Mm, stress. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, um, so fish at that point were caught and transported from their natural habitats. But the first person to breed a tropical fish in Europe was Pierre Cabinier. He founded one of the oldest public aquariums in Paris in 1850 and began breeding macropods or paradise fish. Oh, okay. They are small, aggressive freshwater fish uh, with stripes and come in an array of colors. Um, Once he was successful at that breed, he moved on to other species like exotic goldfish and betta fish. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, his breakthroughs in the world of fish breeding eventually got him the gold medal of the Imperial French Acclimization Society. Oh, okay. That's difficult to say. It is. Um, he was awarded this honor in 1875 to congratulate him on his research and success in introducing exotic fish species to France. Okay. Um, this kicked off a, a sort of a, a world fever for fish. Love fish. Uh, looking at them. And in P- 18- pointing at them. Pointing at them. Saying, you see this fish over here, guys? Visiting them and giving them personalities. Oh, yeah. Uh, in 1853, the first public aquarium in uh, opened in London Zoo. Uh, it, was, it looked a little bit like a greenhouse, and uh, it came to be known as the Fish House. Um, and then... The Americans had Boom. to throw their hat in the ring in 1856. Uh, the first American public aquarium was opened on Broadway in <gasps> New York City. On the Broadway? Where the plays are? The plays and fish. Yes. It's a place. Oh, you know you've made it on Broadway if you're an actor or a fish. Oh, if you can swim it there, you can swim it anywhere. And we have P.T. Barnum to thank for that. Now, is this the same P.T. Barnum I'm thinking of or a different one? No, I think it's the same one. The same one. Okay, great. Um, And we should make a whole episode about this American museum. Uh, And I say that because that's what what it was called, the American museum. There were quotes around that, too. Yeah. Uh, It is bananas. And don't let Hugh Jackman fool you. P.T. Barnum, not a great dude. Anyway... Um, so in the 1800s, right, we're talking about um, just after the Industrial Revolution is getting its, its you know. And now we got robot fish. That steam engine has a started and cannot be stopped. Um, and this is when people had a renewed interest in science and nature. And, and when I say science, I mean just starting science. Not a lot of science actually happens. Proto-science. Proto-science happened before this. I mean, if we're talking about things like medicine and stuff. Sure. Yeah. You know, real science. Real science. Um, And also this time, I mean, you got to remember, too, as uh, the Industrial Revolution took off, cities grew exponentially. And Mm -hmm. so then, like, you know, you're living in a bustling metropolis and you want some nature. 
zoos are great for that. Aquariums are great for that. Right. Parks are great for that. Because, like, you can't, you know, drive to the beach and go snorkeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. Check out these cool fish here in an aquarium. Uh, P.T. Barnum was especially um, influenced by the Lyceum movement, which is kind of like going to see a lecture. Oh, right, 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 right. right. So um, people loved to go and see these lectures and demonstrations about the cool stuff people are figuring out about the world. I mean, no, I think it was a lot of like, if I shuffle my feet on the carpet and touch this doorknob, watch this, guys. Exactly. I don't know what it means yet, but it's going to be a big deal. So uh, by the 1830s, over 3,000 lyceums uh, existed across the country, and he was like, sold. I'll take that. You and know what's I cooler will... than watching people wa- talk? <laughs> fish. Fish. <laughs> well, not not just fish. I mean, this American museum was a spectacle in, you know— P.T. Barnum style. Yeah. Um, so he had, I mean, obviously he had a ton of money. So he snatched up a five-story building uh-huh. uh, and opened its doors to the public on New Year's Day, 1842. So there were definitely some scientific displays. Sure. There were also some pseudo-scientific, yeah. pretend Manipulative, displays. maybe ex- exploitative, uh, yes. that kind of thing. Some of these things, but not. this is obviously not an exhaustive list. A zoo, a museum, a lecture hall. A, a wa- zoo-zium. A wax, a moo- sorry. <laughs> a wax museum, a theater, a sideshow, dioramas, panoramas, cosmoranas, a scientific experiment, a flea circus, a loom powered by a dog, the trunk of a tree where, quote, Jesus's disciples sat, sure. an oyster bar, a rifle range, glass blowers, taxidermists, trained bears, quote, mermaid skeletons, and an animal that is incredibly named Ned the Learned Seal. Now, which one of those is scariest to you? Because for me, it's the oyster bar. <laughs> Because just listening to that list, there's no way it's like, and don't worry, <laughs> we've got, we've been so careful that you're definitely not going to get any ill effects from these oysters. Right. Oh, yee. Um, so. I can't wait. Okay. To hear more. I imagine and specifically. And a lot more. About oyster bars. Um, <laughs> and I, I ask me when I come back, because I want to point something out. Don't let me forget. But first, a word from some other Max Fun shows. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Wow, Emily, we've been doing this podcast for 10 years. I know, but hey, don't worry. You can jump in at literally any episode and hear us talk about some of our favorite stuff. Caterpillars becoming butterflies. Martha Stewart flying around in a private jet full of trees. Yes, you heard me right. Trees. Neighbors becoming enemies. Just kidding. (laughs) Whatever messed up stuff we can find on Wikipedia. Our impeccable taste in everything from dogs to TV shows to bodily functions. And horses. Lots and lots of horses. Come for our horned up rants about the world. Stay for the catchy theme songs. You might not learn anything, but we're a good hang. Baby Geniuses. Every other week on MaximumFun.org. Baby Geniuses. Tell us something we don't know. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, Boy Detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. 
Uh, yeah, completely. Our Silly Show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Have you ever noticed <laughs> right across the street from like every aquarium is a seafood restaurant? <laughs> this is something. So Especially we, if it's a coastal aquarium. Yes. We travel a lot, right? And we go do tours and everything. And so one of the things is consistent. If we're doing a show in like a big city, there's an aquarium there. Our kids will love it, right? Our kids are, they, you know, Charlie to Gus is what? Like seven to one, eight to one. And is there's the age range. something for everyone. Right. And so without fail, I have noticed like you walk out the front door and right across the street, like right as you walk, it's like they were saying like, yeah, they looked pretty good, huh? This is especially apparent in Boston, I think. Oh yeah, baby. Like there are, there's the aquarium and then it's just kind of surrounded by legal seafoods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what? I'm not gonna lie. As a big <laughs> seafood fan, there are moments where I'm like, those are some beautiful crabs. Mmm, crab. Yes. Uh, and P.T. Barnum's American Museum had a full-scale, like, aquarium, a range of exotic fish. Um, one article cataloged them, um, but probably not very accurately. Yeah. Uh, probably just list whatever they wrote down. So he probably wrote down, like, <laughs> magic wish fish or something. Well, <laughs> here is what is listed in this particular article. The angel... The peacock, the four-eyed cherub, the cow, the sturgeon, the porcupine, and the Spanish lady, as well as the squirrel, the crimson cabaretta, the parrot, the grouper, the zebra, and the yellow snapper. Okay, now some of those some are of these definitely are, are fish. fish. Some of them seem like I'm mammals. Searching squirrelfish right now because I must know. He also had two beluga whales in New York City. New York City. Um, not a. Hey, not a great place to keep a beluga whale. No, it isn't. Because uh, I also, once again, guarantee, just knowing what I know about P.D. Barnum, I doubt very much that he was like, listen, we've gone to the utmost care to make sure that Let's not staying- get into the ethics surrounding the keeping of fish in the 1850s. Okay, We they, know it's not good. It was bad. It was bad. Okay, great. Um, there was one particular fish that garnered national fame. Mrs. Big... Trout. I'm sorry. Mrs. Big Trout? Big spelled B-I-G-G-E. Trout. Was Trout her married name or her maiden name? (laughs) What happened to her Um, husband? Her husband has been lost to the annals of history. But I can imagine, if I may, his name was Mr. Something Trout. Maybe. Who knows? In 1861, she was incredibly popular because she was incredibly pregnant. Hmm. Now, trout do not give live birth. They do lay eggs. But there were so many. It was so prolific. One uh, article in the New York Daily Tribune said, Into this motley world, 7,060 eggs all at once were laid by Miss Trout. Now, listen. I love the detail there. 
could have stopped at 7,000. I don't know why they had to specify 7,000 and six. I don't know how they even counted them. It's an impression. Well, they probably made it up. Um, And here's the thing. When the reporters heard that this fish was pregnant, I'm certain that somebody went, I got to count all those fishes. I'm sorry. They who was this in your mind? What was this a good reporter? <laughs> it was opening all reporter? the opening all the doors. No, I got the door part. <laughs> but a guy who's like, oh God, can't all those fishes is like, no, you're not allowed in here, whoever you are. <laughs> well, he could have been reporting on the Civil War, which was imminent at the time. But anyway, um, she. But instead, did, he focused on fish eggs, which were swimming it, yeah. swimming it, because they were swimming. Unfortunately. Okay. She did not survive the ordeal. Um, and the article was not only a celebration of her life, but also an obituary. Wow. Uh, so the writer speculated that the childbirth induced death, quote, probably the odd 60 at the end proved her ruin. Uh-huh. Okay. But she is by no means the first who has fallen a victim to overweening ambition. Okay, wow. That's okay. what well, that was the 60. That was why. Just for color. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was that was flavor text right there, frankly. Um so this obituary is fantastic uh because it describes in specific detail how all the other animals in the building mourned her passing. Uh-huh. They listed the exact time of her death. Sure. As well as her hometown. Uh, but expresses disappointment that, quote, the date of her marriage is unknown. Um, and it ends with, quote, her mourning friends, the other fishes, were prevented by previous engagements from following Mrs. Trout's remains to their final resting place. Beautiful. Because they fish. They can't get out. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one of the things I love most about fish is I've noticed that when it comes to naming fish— People have a lot of fun with it. Growing up, growing up, we have fish. We have fish named Bob Shuby. I can't, (laughs) for the life of me, tell you why. That was just his name. His name was Bob Shuby. You know what I mean? We had a pair of striped fish for a while, which one was zebra, and I think the other one was Cinderella, because we were two young girls. Yeah, I have uh, two fish, uh, two. I think they're red fin sharks. Named Eddie and Izzard, mm-hmm. because I think about the Eddie Izzard bit of like, and I swam like I was chased by sharky sharkies whenever I look at them. <laughs> um, I just like naming fish. It's fun. Oh, and I, we I, named all the angelfish after Ted Lasso characters. Yeah. And Roy is the, is the, you know, the lone, the lone angelfish. Only one remaining. Only one remaining. He's the all black one. Yeah. Made sense. Yeah, he's brooding. Yeah, we had a beard, we had a Ted. We had a Keely. And we had a Keely. Gosh, Keely was so pretty. Lost over time. Anyway. Lost over time. Anyway, um, so tons of aquariums in the 1800s opened up after this. Uh, the Aquarial Gardens in Boston, the um, Marine Aquarium Temple in Hamburg. Like, I mean, it was just all over the world. Fish fever. Uh, I should say, because we mentioned it earlier, the Boston Aquarium uh, yes. stands now. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's got like a central pillar, and you walk around, and it's like on the outside perimeter is, uh, you know, all the tanks and stuff. 
And then you can look down at any point down the center and see all the penguins swimming around. And then down the center, there is a like big, you know, clear tube of water and fish and tropical guys swimming around like three stories tall. And then you can walk down uh, a spiral around it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Be- I love it. Meditative. Pushing a stroller up it. Not wild about it. But in general, it's great. So before it closed on September 30th, 2013, the oldest American aquarium was the National Aquarium in Washington, D.C., which was founded in 1873. When did it close? September 30th, 2013. Did did we ever go to that one? I don't think that we did. Um, The Shedd Aquarium in Chicago was the largest in the United States for decades until the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta opened in 2005. We have been to that one, which is also lovely. We've been to the Shedd. We have? Yeah. Uh, the the Georgia Aquarium is great because they've like broken it down into like different biomes or whatever you would call mm-hmm. it. Where it's like this is the freshwater, this is like cold water, this is you know uh, salt water, this is the <laughs> ocean. That's what I move for. And then it's like oceans and rivers and like the coastal ice areas and things like that. Love yeah, it's it. really great. Um, the largest public aquarium in the world is the Kaimlong. Ocean Kingdom theme park, which opened in China in 2014. It holds a total of 48.75 million liters of water. That's a lot that's of water. That's a lot. And only one fish. And that's the weird thing. <laughs> um, there are plenty of aquariums um, all across the world. Some of them operate more ethically than others. Yes. Um, but... Public aquariums have been a big part of ocean conservation efforts across the world. Dozens of these facilities host events and workshops to generate enthusiasm and interest in oceans and waterways. And some even offer like internships or work study programs for young marine biologists. I know that when Barbie had a marine biologist phase, I also wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, Barbie liked a toy. I was like, who are you talking about? (laughs) The toy. Okay. She's been through lots of careers. I don't know if you mentioned it, but there's also a lot of uh, aquariums that also operate as like rehabilitation centers Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. uh, injured animals. You see that a lot uh, with manatees. Yeah. um, Where they will help like rehabilitate them and get them back out or like turtles or whatever, you know, things that are very prone uh, to being damaged by uh, humans. Uh, And then they will work to get them back into the wild. Our very own Newport Aquarium has a resource conservation team, which successfully diverted nearly 3,000 pounds of flat plastic and more than 1,300 pounds of styrofoam from landfills. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Newport Aquarium. I think it's very lovely. Um, I wish that the aisles were bigger. Well, yeah. I wish that there were less people, but that's just true of everywhere <laughs> I go. Um, now we had that giant gator for a while, and that did was have really the giant, cool. Was that the giant albino gator? Big Mike? No, he was a regular. Alligator. I always feel uh, I, I always feel good seeing albino animals in zoos and aquariums. Yeah, because they are animals that, because of their albinoism. Uh, would not be able to survive in the wild. Yeah. And so that to me is always especially like it's there's the reason that I'm always drawn to uh, the albino fish to put them in my aquarium because I'm like very comfortable having them in my aquarium knowing like you are safer here in my home <laughs> than you would be in other places. So if you're going to go to an aquarium, here are some general tips, uh, etiquette for visiting. Uh, yeah, Hey, don't tap on the glass no. or stick your face sound... up on it. It's not nice for the animals and it's unhygienic. And sound travels differently in water. It travels farther in water. It's louder in water. 
Um, and so tapping on it can be very scary mm-hmm. for the fishes. In the same way, try not to be super loud because it's an enclosed space most of the time, yeah. right? And sound carries. It can disturb the other people around you, also the fish as well. Same with like if you go into an area that is like a dark area, mm-hmm. don't like use the flashlight on your phone to look into things and stuff. Let the fishies chill out. Yeah. Uh, there are always designated pathways and, you know, don't sit on fences or railings. Um But make sure to follow any specific instructions at a touch tank if you go to one of those. Um, I know I... Every time I go past one of those, I think about the scene in in Finding uh, Dory Mm -hmm. in the touch tank. And it is... Traumatizing? It's It's terrifying? It's terrifying. I just can't... I can't bring myself to do it anymore. I also just don't know how I'd feel if giants came along and was like, look at that purple hair and reached out and touched me. It would freak me out. So I try to leave him alone. Uh, obviously, don't feed any animals unless you're specifically allowed to and someone provides the correct food. Um, I mean, this is see the episode of Bob's Burgers where Louise gets to feed the sharks. Right. Duh. If you get a chance to hang out with penguins, please do it on behalf of me <laughs> and let me know what it's like. I've never gotten to. I would like to hang out with penguins. I think we would get along well. I think I have a very penguin-like demeanor. They have a penguin encounter at Newport. I know. I've just never gotten the chance to hang out with yeah. them. And man, you know I want to. Um, hey, remember that uh, some of the fish might not be visible during the day. Maybe mm. they're shy in the way of, like, they like to hide from predators. That's kind of like their their deal, even if there aren't any predators in the tank. Um, they might also be nocturnal. You never know. That's also true. Um, so, you know. Just mitigate your expectations that way. Um, And feel free to spend as much time as you'd like viewing each exhibit. But do be aware that the viewing areas are only so big. So, you know, back up and let other people take turns. But if you want to hang out in front of the sharks all day, I have seen people do that. Especially if you want to draw them. At the Newport Aquarium, they have this huge, big, It's, I mean, it's like the size of a movie screen, uh, shark tank, like, window, right? And they've set up benches and everything, and it's great to sit there all day if that's what you want to do. Just make sure that you allow other people their turn to see things, too. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, like, fish keeping at home. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about that next. Uh, I would say, first and foremost, like we said, it's so much about the preparation of the thing and like it could be really hard especially if you're like me and you have ADHD and you want immediate satisfaction mm. and it's just like but it's, it's so much uh, of like a stitch in time saves nine kind of deal of just like read about it beforehand know where you're gonna put the thing know what you're gonna do all that stuff. It's not an impulse decision, yeah. so make sure you do a Google, okay? Yeah. And also, there are a lot of very knowledgeable um, aquarium stores that you can visit Um I don't know exactly how much someone at a PetSmart may know, but you can always ask them questions. Sure. And um, they'll help you as much as they can. But there are definitely like aquarium stores that have people who are very interested in, in creating lifelong companions of and fish. I say this as someone who worked at a PetSmart. It's hit or miss. That's all we're saying. There's yeah. definitely going to be people there who are like, yeah, listen, I love fish, and I'm happy to work here, and I can tell you everything about them. And then there's people like when I work there where I'm like, I like dogs. And <laughs> besides that, like, yeah, you can ask me questions about the other things. I don't know, man. I'm going to read the tag. Um, also, though, and this is so important, the makeup of your fish tank is there are some fish who are like, 
do not put that fish with these fish. Right, yes. And somewhere it's just like, it'll probably be okay. And somewhere it's like, definitely okay. The parrot cichlid I got was, I was probably okay. It wasn't. Um, well, but, we figured that the angelfish would kind of stay in a gang. Yeah. Um, because they do like to pair up. Uh, that's the other thing you got to figure out which of yours like like to school up what likes to be like the only one in there yeah uh, if it needs like heavily planted or lots of places to hide all that stuff what are those redfish you have in there the wags yeah they have live babies they we, do we did not know that when you first got them correct and now I have about 30 of them <laughs> all very little these beautiful red wag platies and koi platies who just like are swimming around there having a great time. They're doing great. I've also got- They love it. Uh, I also got glowfish uh, because I have kids <laughs> and the kids love the glowfish. Uh, those are the Which glow it, gals. Again, they need to be in pairs too or you yes. need to have, they they do tend to pair up. They so. like to be together. Yes. Uh, and then uh, what's the other ones I got? I got the stripy barbs that are just called barbs. I call them the barbs. So no, they're the, the oh, let's see, I got the glow gals. I got the barbs. I got uh, the Koi Boys mm-hmm. and the Wags and a bunch of other ones. Those little sharks. The sharks, Eddie and Izzard. I've got Roy. I've got Dr. Harris Bonkers. I've got Son of the Phantom slash Junior. I've got... What about those long plecos? Oh, yeah. The ones that are like, uh, I think they're called Fantail uh, Cats. Uh, I haven't the, seen those for a while. Well, I think there's only one of those left. And his name is uh, Whip. Whip. Whip is still in there. And then uh, all of the snails. All of the snails. Lots so of snails. Did you did you know that snails lay eggs in your aquarium? Yeah, if you're doing a great job, <laughs> snails are like this is a safe neighborhood. I like this. <laughs> I, that's why I had to get the second aquarium. I I have found out that there's an aquarium shop near me who will trade me store credit for my baby snails, and I'm like sick, bro. <laughs> so I'm going to take them some baby snails soon. Uh, so they they keep making those snails. Yes, they love it. Um, um, if you are speaking of fish shops. Uh, when you transport fish, it is important that you are gentle with the bags, um, and they do have a kind of like step process mm-hmm. to getting into your aquarium. So make sure you're familiar with that. It's and, acclimation, if you want to look that up, acclimation. And don't shake the bag. No, like Darla. Uh, also, uh, it's important to note if you're going to buy fish in a bag and take them home, it should be like the last stop you make before you head home because. The water after a while is not healthy for them to be in. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and same with like if it's a hot day or a cold day or anything like that, right? So, this is like get them home, get them in the water, and that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's see, we've got shows coming up here in Cincinnati and Detroit and uh, DC and DC next weekend. You can go to bit.ly/slash/macroytours, get all those tickets there. It's going to be an absolute blast. Um, we're doing a Schmanner here in Cincinnati, so don't miss it. Um, let's see what else. Oh, there's a lot of new merch over the merch store because it's a new month, so make sure you check that out, macroymerch.com. Um, what else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Thank you to Alex, our writer and researcher, without whom we could not make this show. Thank you also to our editor, Rachel, uh, 
who also we could not make this show without. Um, and if you would like to send us topic suggestions or um, idiom submissions, you can email alex at schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hello because she reads every single one. The new merch is going to be, there's a shrimp ornament, oh. there's a Bureau of Balance metal ornament, and a Candle Nights ornament designed by Brie Paulson. Proceeds from this ornament will go to Harmony House, and then 10% of all merch proceeds this month will go to Natives, uh, which promotes indigenous foodways education and facilitates indigenous food access. All of that at macroymerch.com. Like we said, don't forget about the tour coming up. Uh, those uh, tours do require mask and proof of full vaccination or negative COVID tests within 72 hours of event start. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Blah, 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 blah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.